Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Hello, everybody. It is my great pleasure to uh, welcome Star Talk Live to the show, to Awesome Con. Ladies and gentlemen, let me bring on your host, one of America's great science educators and communicators, Bill Nye the Science Guy! Eugene, Eugene, guy hug. Hello. Yes, good to see you. Greetings. Woo. Wow, look at you guys. Greetings, greetings. I imagine this is not the first time you've heard this this weekend. This is awesome. So speaking of awesome, should we introduce our guests? Let's do it. Well, start out, where should we start? We'll start over here. The most uh, hilarious uh, woman ever, uh, and you know her by her uh, Twitter handle, at King Firestorm. Ladies and gen gentlemen, Joe Firestone. Hello. 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 Next in this corner, or this chair, uh, <laughs> From the uh, Astrobiology Institute, you know him by his Twitter handle, Dr. Funky Spoon. David Greenspoon. David, David, David. Hello. Good to see you, sir. Yes. Good to see you, too. Uh, then in this corner, which uh, is a chair. And uh, the, I'd give you his Twitter handle, but he said, no, just, just Google him. Hari Kundabalu. <laughs> Welcome. Hari Kundabalu. And then lastly, everybody, somebody who's 
who really works in the business full time. Uh, the second in command at NASA, uh, the deputy administrator, Dr. Deva Newman. Give it up. Here she is. Hi, guys. Thank you, sir. Oh, we'll do Thank this you. one, then this one. Oh. Yes. Oh, we messed up our microphones. There it is. Oh, please, everybody, please sit down. Are there any questions on what we've covered so far? No, we're at Awesome Con. This is superhero time. And on stage here with me, I claim, are the superheroes of space exploration. So, so for me, what I'm hoping for is to have superpowers, right? Now, what do you guys want in superpowers? Main thing for me, I want to be able to fly. And then the next thing down that list for me is to be able to have extraordinary vision. What's, That's what would me. extraordinary vision? <laughs> like how far? Well, far I'd like to see stuff? other planets. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I'd like to have vision that would find life and stuff like that. So to get this started, Dr. Uh, Newman, you are an expert in aerospace and biomedical engineering. Yes. Your research studies include advanced spacesuit design and dynamics and control of astronaut motion, which is not trivial when you're in zero G. Right, or Mars. Tricky, or Mars. tricky. Uh -huh. And uh, you're the director of MIT's technology and policy program. On well, leave to serve NASA. And as well as your deputy director at NASA. Now, Dr. Uh, Greenspoon. Sir. You're, of course, you're regular here on Star Talk. That's why you're beloved. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> and you are, I presume you are funky and you're good with a spoon. And that's why you're I do doctor, my best. Yeah, you're Dr. Funky Spoon. But right now you're the senior scientist at the Planetary Science Institute, right? Which is like an amorphous thing. It's, it's, it's distributed. Distributed, because yeah. it's the modern world in which we now live. And you're a co-investigator on Mars Curiosity rover, right? And stuff like that. This is right. So uh, here's the thing, you guys. I want to just ask you to start with, because we're at AwesomeCon. What would be your favorite, let's see, we'll start with David. What would be your favorite superhero? So I'm going to combine a few. So it's Elastigirl. Well, you, what, you can do that? Yeah, I'm going to do it. It's Elastigirl with Spider-Man, because the suit is cool. We came up with it first, you know, for a suit for Mars. And I like to fly, too. So Batman, so Elasti Spider, Bat Girl. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. Cool. And uh, Batman let me just doesn't really you. fly as much as he falls incredibly well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't ever, seldom what, gets hurt. What was Elastigirl's? Yeah. I'm not familiar. Elastigirl was just kind of bendy, or what was her Super thing? Super bendy, cool. Super yeah. bendy. Around, yeah, nothing got in her way. What and was fast. The, what, what was the difference between her and, say, Gumby? <laughs> Gumby, I think, is more Christian. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and green. Right. She's, she's red. She's kind of more reddish. Oh, so okay. Gumby's green and she's red. Right. There. Okay. Just start with that. Just start with sure. that. <laughs> but seriously, you made, a, you made an allusion to spacesuits that are, resemble superhero costumes. There you go. But the, the technology came first, I think. Yeah. The technology came first? Drove, I think so. We've been working on the technology for a long time. What technology are you talking about? Advanced spacesuit design it has to be, you know, lightweight, mobile, flexible. We're going to Mars. Did you hear? We're going to uh, become yes, interplanetary. We're, so. we're going to Mars. Not, you guys, we're not going to Mars during uh, 
this uh, surprise we're going to Mars pick a partner <laughs> I hope you're with someone you love <laughs> Space. strap in well, what are we doing in Mars what are we doing we're setting up yeah. shop or what's happening there well we're already there we've been there for the last 50 years right. with orbiters and landers and the next 50 years are even cooler we're going with people so first we're going out Space station that's in low Earth orbit, phase one. We've been doing this for 16 years together with the world. Then we move out to Earth Moon in all the 2020s. Our rovers are still hanging out, doing Mars. We have these great experiments. We keep popping off the robotic missions to Mars. And then boom, boots on Mars with people in the 2030s. This is like stuff. Stuff will be there. What's the year that you think that there'll be boots with people inside the boots? People inside the boots in the 2030s. In the 2030s. But it's the 2030s. And it's probably not all of us, but it's my Mars, the Mars generation. Nice. Is, is Mars teenagers, teenagers so, today. Is there going to be commercial like flights to Mars? Is that the plan? Sure. When does well, that start? Well, government and commercial. So it's public-private partnership. Huh. And it's the world, too. I right? heard Southwest is doing specials. <laughs> I can't wait till there's some weird line where you have to get into to get a Mars. <laughs> to get your seat. Anyway, great Southwest joke. Terrible. Watch out, watch out for the baggage charges. Oh, before we go too far along, David, you have a favorite superhero? Yeah, um, I guess my favorite superhero is uh, Planet Girl slash Planet Boy because... Planet Girl? Slash Planet Boy because she's, she's transgender and interplanetary. And she's got spectrometer eyes, multi-wavelength imaging spectrometer eyes, and she's got ion drives on her toes. So she can go in orbit around any planet and image just about anything you would want to. Uh, Dr. Newman, you are the second in command yeah. at NASA. That's like a superpower. It is super cool. I have the best job in the world. Maybe the second best. I think it's the best job in the world. Did, did you, you ever go like, get out of here, go to outer space? <laughs> a little. Not out loud. Uh, because Not if you loud. did, it would cost a lot of money. Just to, yeah. yeah. But... Uh, so, so when you say Journey to Mars, we spell that J2M? I like that. That's a good acronym. Is that J2M. Right? That's my shorthand for it. And so uh, uh, in order to make the Journey to Mars, let me ask you a couple things. What do we need to do? We need a big rocket. So we're designing and developing, and uh, this is real. Our space launch system is well under development. How long will it take to travel from Earth to Mars? So, the, you know, round trips, it, about eight months to get there, but just think of it as like about a two-year round trip in transit. Right. But hopefully we stay 600 days on the surface of Mars exploring. Now, when you wow. say 600 days, 600 Earth days, 600 sols. Yeah, that's, a, that's debatable. Uh, let's say it's 600 Earth days, since we're kind of counting in Earth days right now. And 600 Earth days is also just 600 days. I think anybody who's ever seen the movie 2001 Space Odyssey would say, that is awesome. And the reason, part of the reason it was awesome, it was spinning, right? The space station is spinning, creating some artificial gravity. But uh, right now, the proposal is to punch it and go to Mars fast enough, exercise enough on the way, and take the right medications to preserve bones. Right? Safe and preserve muscles and bones. Musculoskeletal. The bone, uh, we lose, uh, typically you lose 1% to 2% bone mineral density per month. Here on Earth, that's per decade. But maybe we have some small, you can do small short-arm centrifugation that fits in the craft. That's a really interesting concept, you know, like a spin in the gym. You know, imagine instead of the elliptical, it's a, it could be a spinning thing. Spinning so we're still, thing. you know, playing Meaning around with the concept. you would be in a spinning thing and, you, and it would... Well, say the spacecraft, you know, yeah. you, know what, you know, 2001, that was fantastic. 
Engineers love it, but that's expensive when you have a two-kilometer radius, right? Tell me right. about it. So yeah. let's do a smaller one because, yeah. you know, we have like great budgets, but, but we could spin oh, inside. Oh, just, just a second, David. Just a normal blank? What? A normal what? A normal spacecraft. Normal Mars spacecraft. A normal size Mars shape. spacecraft. <laughs> that's what yeah. I think about every day. Every day. And then we could have little, shelf. think of like little spinning beds inside. See, that's yeah. cool. That's still artificial gravity, but within the constraints of a normal Mars spacecraft. So let's say that problem is solved. What is the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge for getting people to uh, become interplanetary, because we will become interplanetary, I hope sooner than later. That's what I'm working on. Biggest challenge is the will. Biggest the challenge will, is the will. To do it. We have to focus, just deciding yes. The biggest challenge is just saying yes and getting all of you, getting all the people behind it say that, first answer, why? Why are we going? They're the enduring questions. Are we alone in the universe? Is there life? Has there been past life? That's the why. Biggest challenge is just say, let's just say yes and so, stay the course and don't get you know, derailed and just focus, 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 and then we get there. So Good that's focus. the biggest challenge. Yes, well, the biggest give, it, give it up. No. Who's saying no to this? Like people that are afraid of aliens? It's not no, it's just, you know, apathy. Who gets to, who gets to own Mars? Like, is oh, it, this, it has to be global. I mean, at NASA, we're saying, here's our plan. Here's what we want to lead. We have all of our elements, you know, heavy lift launch, the Ryan capsule on top. We get out, and then we're saying, world, come with us. Even and Estonia? Okay. <laughs> I, fine, Estonia, too. yes. Who wants to join? It's but, global. It's global it exploration. Like, isn't that a risk? Because that's the way like colonialism worked before. Like all these different countries were going to a land and claiming it. So won't that just happen again with like different companies get, and we, different like? You know, you think we, maybe we can get it right this time. Um, Ultimately, you know, so the Martians treaties? will probably own Mars. Yeah, but we're going to kill them off. I discussed this earlier. They could be. Uh, we're going to become the Martians when, we're colonizing. Could be really when we go there, we'll now. be the Martians. So really quickly, yeah. we're talking about Martians in this scientific form. They're real. What's happening? Well, okay. Earth and Mars, 4.5 billion years. Sister planets. Beautiful, wonderful. And we think, because we have a lot of scientific data now, Mars, 3.5 billion years ago, is probably wet, wonderful, maybe a little wild. Back in the day. Back in the day. 3.5 billion. Like Costa Rica? And something, something like a little like Costa Rica? <laughs> maybe. Could, yeah, Costa Rica. And yeah. then something, something might have gone terribly wrong. Well, what went terribly wrong? We'd too really, many parties. Too many parties. We'd like to figure that out, because that tells us a lot, again, about Earth, about Pura spaceship Vida. Earth. And so if there's past life, it's probably kind of fossilized, and, you know, that's what we're looking for, past life, probably. So a couple things, though, literally. Uh, there is a space treaty from 1967. Signed by John Lennon. Uh, <laughs> the wording of it is a little bit vague of the space treaty, kind of deliberately, because it talks about going to the moon and other celestial bodies, like people, the Mars was a long way away. Nevertheless, Mars is getting to be within reach. It's getting to be a reasonable thing that people might do. And if we can really do this, I just, my opinion, which as you know is uh, correct, <laughs> is that it's just not so easy to get to Mars. It's just not, it's not like these guys it's came. hard. They came from Europe and they went across North America. They came from Europe. They went to South Africa, and they, they started uh, eating things and setting up tents and stuff. But on Mars, it's a much more difficult deal. Well, there's also a big difference, which is that there were people here uh, when Europeans got here, and they weren't always recognized as people, and that caused a lot of problems. It seems as though there are no people on Mars, so the setup is inherently different. 
But what about what what about the uh, protecting the role? Let's say the uh, objective to protect Martian life if it's found. You know, yeah, well, that's have, one of our big scientific objectives now, of course, is to find out if there is Martian life so that we don't inadvertently do something really stupid to so, it. So that, along that line, we're sending robots, right? By yeah, robots, we mean spacecraft that land, drive around, cool tires, and uh, to look for things. But what it, how do we know that those things are sterile, those robots have been made clean enough to land there without contaminating the Martian life when we see well, it. Well, we, we work on it. We take it serious. That's, a, you know, in planetary protection. And we think about forward protection. We bring life. We're looking for life on Mars. Well, we sure won't, don't want it to be our life. So we right. do that. And back contamination. So forward contamination. So it has to be, you know, it's a whole area. Has there's, to be there's, there's no, there's no way to know for sure. Um, but... But it is taken seriously. We do our best. Uh, there are planetary protection protocols. We try to clean our spacecraft. We don't sterilize them 100%, but we, uh, so we know we've brought okay. some microbes well, well, to well, Mars. Well, 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 when you say we don't sterilize them 100%, I will ask the obvious Why not? Because it's, it's very hard to, in order to sterilize a spacecraft, you would have to cook the whole thing to a point where you would destroy a lot of the scientific instruments. So you'd we melt, kind of you'd melt the electronics. Melt so yeah. we kind of play this game where we get them clean enough so that we know how many microbes are on there and we land them in places where we don't think those microbes would survive. It's a little bit of a game you have to play. We don't so we know there are some microbes on Mars that we've brought there, but we don't believe we've started uh, colonies of earth organisms on Mars. Because I, I would love to beat everybody there and put a bunch of rabbits on Mars. <laughs> and then you go like, oh my God, there's so many rabbits. <laughs> wait, wait, what are we looking for as far as Martians? Are we looking for like plants or worms or... Fossilized, it's kind of like think about going to the beach and looking at those cool, you know, fossilized shells. Kind of like that. Like something like, like a mussel, like a mussel, mm, like a no, seafood. Harder and flatter and 3.5 billion years old. So okay. you're looking for what was there, not what is there. Past life. There's nothing there. What is there, well, what is there, we're, we're finding out every day. We know right. how Mars lost its atmosphere. Our MAVEN observer just helped us figure that out. And we know there's methane. Mars is breathing, kind of saying hi to us with methane coming out. I think it might be active methane. So... so when you Active find metha methane from what? Do, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We, no, that's people, just the thing. Yeah. Lighting matches? Yeah. We don't know. In fact, in fact, the existence of the methane itself is somewhat controversial, though. It's looking better and better. There probably is methane. And of course, a long time ago, before we found the methane, that was one of the things that scientists said would be a biosignature on Mars. If you find methane, then there's gases that are weird gases that shouldn't be in the atmosphere. Just the like on Earth, there's oxygen in the atmosphere that comes from life. If you find methane on Mars, we used to say, then that'll be a sign of life. So now we've found methane on Mars, but we're not sure it's a sign of life because there's not much of it, and it behaves in weird ways. And there are some just chemical geological reactions that can make methane inside the earth but, some, yeah. or inside a planet but most of the methane on in earth's atmosphere does come from 
bugs from Wait, life. Just to clarify, we're talking about space farts, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's yes. right. And burps. It could be propulsion. You know, see, methane would be great propulsion yeah. for us. That's why it's. Uh, you think if we could, we could use the methane to get back to Earth. There you go, gas station. You know, we got to have oh that first gosh. gas station on the Mars. First we gas need... station. How cute. <laughs> uh, is it, it, it going to have like a mini mart and stuff? I guess we have to set that up. But imagine this, everybody. You Friendly land. Rabbits. You land the right spacecraft on Mars and you use the chemistry of the rocks and the atmosphere to make rocket fuel to fly back. I mean, that is an extraordinary idea and very cool. And we will talk about that coming up in the next segment. You've been watching, you've been listening to Star Talk Radio. We'll be back right after this. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. <laughs> Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Star Talk Live. We're at the Convention Center in Washington, D.C., and uh, I am joined by this fabulous panel, which includes our beloved Eugene Merman, Hari <laughs> Kondabalu, uh, Joe Firestone, David Greenspoon, and uh, second in command at NASA, David Newman. So, when we left, we were talking about life on Mars, we're talking about what we'd be looking for on Mars. How would we know whether or not we found something alive on Mars? What exactly are we exactly looking for? Well, it's a puzzle, right? Because we don't know if there's any life beyond Earth. 
And by the way, what what is what is life? Yeah. Man? Well, that's, like, that's, wow. that's that's the puzzle. How do we define it when we when we only have one example? You think there's all this biodiversity on Earth, but we know one thing we've learned for sure is that it's all related. So there's one example of life. How on do Earth. we know it's all related? Well, chemically, of course, it all uses DNA and proteins, and even better than that, by looking at the sequences of DNA and proteins, you can tell what's related to what, and you can make this tree of life, and you can, we go all the way back, and we do not find any organisms that we're not obviously related to on a biochemical level. Even my snails? old boss? Yeah. <laughs> Even snails yeah. are your distant cousins. Yeah. Yep. You, you and an escargot are just, uh, you know, a few generations a removed. Away from being the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, but, so, so we can't really define something that we only have one example of. It's not very scientific. You want a bunch of examples of something to say what it all has in common. And yet we want to search for life elsewhere, so we have these sort of provisional definitions. We think we know what its signs will be. We think we know what it is, but in order to really know what it is, we have to find it and then be able to compare it. Uh, what would you speculate it would be? Well, it just, what, it, would, what would it take? Present life and past life. Right now on Mars, we really think that it's past life, but we say, when you look for life, the search for life, follow the water. You know, that's kind of rule number one, follow it, the water. Now we have water on Mars. Why do you say follow the water? Well, um, because David was saying, you know, we look at, we're kind of looking for carbon-based life. That's what we know kind of carbon-based life forms, that's, that's how life is on Earth now. There could be something we haven't thought of, but right now we're saying, go for the water. We have water on Mars. Mars has a uh, carbon dioxide atmosphere. Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, when we're Plants talking about Mars, it. we're following We're going to make oxygen there. If we're talking about just life in the universe, looking at exoplanets and such as well, we tend to take a more general view of thinking, well, life, at least we know, is something that perturbs its environment chemically. Sorry, what are... It's, uh, you it's said exoplanets? Planets around other stars. Oh, you know how many? Which, you know how many we have? Which now we know. They're super cool. Now we know. We didn't know this 20 years ago. This is one of the revolutions of our time. Is we now that we know that all the stars in the sky, almost all of them, have planets, multiple planets. So when I was so, in school, Joe, people speculated that there might be a planet around one in every hundred stars. Now it's generally agreed in sort of orders of magnitude, factors of 10, that every star has at least 10 planets, about 10 planets. And then if you want to get in the argument about Pluto, Sedna, Eris, and these other very distant icy worlds, then you're talking about hundreds of planets. Thousands. Uh, we, just, thousands. we just let out, we just, cate yeah. we just, you know, we just categorized and let out uh, 1,200 but, new exoplanets. But let me just say, so just to dog on looking for minutes. life on those, we, it, it, it would be great if we could detect water, but even if we just see weird chemistry in the atmosphere. Like so wait, so life Mars has carbon dioxide atmosphere? atmosphere? Uh -huh. Yeah. And then we can turn that into oxygen. We're going to do that on our Mars 2020 rover. Nice. Rover. Can we're I have some split, of that oxygen? Split, split. <laughs> you have to go It won't there. be enough for a person, but we're going to make oxygen ha on a planet for the first time on, ever. People. Hang on, just a minute. Deva, you said, well, you know, we're going to look for life that was once there on Mars. We were back there, you know, back in the old... Look, we, there's methane. Methane. On Mars, people, we have the it's... MAVEN, what's that, uh, Mars Atmospheric Volatile Emissions, uh, what's the N? Atmospheric uh, Volatiles Environmental. Yeah, I think it's Nancy. Yeah, we think it's Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, and she's fabulous. Uh, she's fabulous. But anyway, <laughs> if they're finding methane, there's got to be a source of it. I'll give all of you chemists, and I, I love you all out there, there's some inorganic chemical process that produces methane. Right? But everywhere on Earth, we find water. 
we find living things. Even the tiniest dampness of nothing damp in, in uh, Death Valley, there are cyanobacteria that live right, the green, blue-green things that live under the rocks. Rains once every couple years and something's alive there, right? right? All right, so if we're finding methane on Mars with, uh, what is it, the trace grass orbiter, it's out there, and MAVEN, and we're finding liquid water in these recurring slope lineae, right? And the geologists love, seasonal, they love the Latin. Seasonal, yeah, exactly, seasonal. So, so it's flows. a little rivulet, a little uh, rill, a little drip of water every year. And lots of ice year. on the poles. Hari, I like it. You can't see it on the podcast, people, but he is inquisitive man. Oh, I'm He's just hanging kind of, on this. Like, how much water are we talking about right now? Right now, just a small amount. Briny, salty water, you don't want to drink it yet. But the great thing is, we knew there's... Ice. Like, There's ice on the poles, but now this is Al almost none on the surface. Yeah, and this is seasonal. So when you know it's seasonal, uh, but you know, so we oh, have but seasons. Look, it's, every yeah. Martian summer, there's. Oh, it's waterfall. cool. It's fantastic. Okay, I'm with you, Bill. I am, I am with you. Wait, are, you you know, are you making that's true? You I am didn't, with you. That's not a thing you just lied about. That's no, a truth? no, no, not no, about that. Okay. No, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's a Martian waterfall. Well, uh, or rivulet. Rivulets. Or, I like rivulets better. But Flowing there's a lot of water seasonal underground. Water. Yeah. We believe. We know. Actually. So, you guys, I am open-minded, of course. But you're telling me that we've got liquid water on Mars, and we have methane that we detect, albeit in strange ways, from billions of kilometers away with these extraordinary spacecraft. All right. And you are not optimistically optimistic am, about finding something still alive? I am completely optimistic, I, and I think it's going to be sooner than later. I'm not. I, I, I don't think there's life on Mars today. By life do we mean Which, And I think, actually, that's a good thing. I th I'm optimistic that there's no life on Mars today because that makes it much less complicated for us to do the things we were talking about earlier and not be wiping okay, out Okay, just a, a minute, European immigrant man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like you might be saying, well, I'm pretty sure there's nothing alive no, no, there. No, We're no, not no, going to no. contaminate it. Not Let's really. just show up. No, because I, I very much support our carefully investigating this question. I think that right now our ignorance vastly outweighs our knowledge. But I am a skeptic as far as the methane we've seen and the water we've seen indicating a biosphere. Why, I, why are you skeptical of that? Because I think that on a planet like Earth... You look at, if you were a Shown alien... here. <laughs> for instance, this room. If you were a, an alien looking at our solar system from afar, there'd be this planet Earth that has a flagrant biosignatures. This oxygen is off flagrant. the charts. You people flagrant. are flagrantly flagrant. signing your biomass. Bio I don't think a planet like Mars that has very subtle potential biosignatures will ever be alive. Because on a planet like Earth, the biosphere is coupled to the active... Biogeochemical For those of you watching cycles. the podcast, his arms are I'm just waving my arms. Because, because Earth has snow angels in the sky. Earth here. has this active hydrological cycle with rainfall and evaporation. It has plate tectonics. The geology is alive. The chemistry of the interior is in communication with the atmosphere. He's still waving his arms. I'm yeah. waving my arms. But and on Earth, now become modern dance. On, <laughs> on Earth, life. <laughs> But, but do you out think of his chair to get the arms. Do you think arms? there's like, a, like, like microbes in the water? And like, like That's I, I what I think. There what, like I, what I'm saying is that on Earth, <laughs> life rides the cycles of an active geological right. planet. Mars, in that sense, is a pretty dead planet. I think, as David was saying, we 
we'll probably find signs of life in the past when Mars was a less dead planet. But if I had to bet, I would bet that, we, that Mars does not have life today. So speaking of betting, speak, like, speaking of betting, they won't take the bet now. Uh, I'll bet a dollar and we'll figure it out in what, 2032? So I yeah. say I would go with 2033. Okay, 2033 yeah, yeah. it is. And we'll be there. When do you think today. we'll be on Mars? You're the most Well, we are qualified. on Mars today with five vehicles in when, orbit and Sorry, with surface. like a group of kids playing soccer. <laughs> <laughs> group of kids. Kids playing Mars Generation, the 2030s. So let's back up to uh, the disco era. Uh, the My Vi favorite time. Uh, yeah, good. You're in the right place. So the Viking landers had these uh, scoops that this was in 1976, July 4th, coincidence, 200th anniversary of the United States. Viking One lands there, has a scoop uh, akin to uh, an ice cream shovel and scrapes into the soil and stuff. Then it drops some of that soil into some chemistry experiments that were uh, spacecraft style. There, you can't see them from here, but the scoops dropped the dust in there and something happened, right? And people, for a couple days, for those of you who were not around in the disco era, there were a few days or even weeks when people around the world, like, totally freaked because it seemed like something was bubbling on Mars that might be alive, right? Now, can you comment yeah. on that thing? Well, what happened so there? This gets back to this vexing question of how do we look for life when we really don't know anything about life elsewhere? And the Viking biological experiments... Were, were a wonderful set of investigations, but in hindsight, they were maybe a little bit naive in that what we were really... What did they really do, really? They were looking for life on Mars that was very much like life on Earth. Essentially, they scooped up stuff, like you said, and they sprinkled it with what they called chicken soup, which so was right now it's water like and rock, nutrients. So right now it's like scissors, papers, his fist has gone into his hand. Yes. Wait. They sprinkled up stuff. They put it in this experimental apparatus, and basically they sprinkled it with water and what the scientists nicknamed chicken soup, which was a set of nutrients which earth organisms would have loved, simple organic compounds, and they looked to see if anything happened, and did it give off gases where the carbon... Which it would if it were if you put a scoop of earth yeah. soil. And they even labeled the carbon with radioactive uh, uh, carbon heavy isotope, isotopically heavy carbon. So you can see if the carbon in the chicken soup... You can see if you have the right instrument. Yeah. You can, with that instrument, you could tell that the carbon in the chicken soup was the same carbon that came out... It was as if this stuff was breathing out carbon dioxide. So they said, aha, there's something in there that's eating chicken soup and breathing out carbon dioxide. It's alive. But then it didn't really behave like living organisms. There was a big fizz of this carbon dioxide, and then it went, psh, it tailed off as if so it was more just, of a chemical for reaction. For those of you listening, his hand went way up like yes. he was going to uh, do a hook, <laughs> a hook shot, and then uh, it came down like he was going to... Um, like he was gonna an exponential like, decline. The exponential I think it would help decline. the listeners if you just picture one of those things outside car washes. Yeah. You know, like every time I feel like that's a great visual. Oh, the uh, the inflatable guy yeah, that oh, that walks around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so, so that's David. There you go. It it first looked like it was behaving like life. It breathed all this stuff out, and then it looked more like. Um, like Pop Rocks or something, where, right. you, where something fizzes, or, or Mentos and Pepsi, where something fizzes all of a sudden and then just dies off. If it was organisms, it would sort of perpetuate longer. So it ultimately had a shape over time where it acted like some chemical in there was really excited to react 
with the right. stuff we gave it. We it wasn't pop rocks to Mars, and yeah. pop rocks were like, we're pop rocks. Exactly. <laughs> but they didn't find life. So it fizzed, but it yep. didn't really metabolize, yep. unfortunately. That's that, the way yeah. we would understand it. Now, so one should say there are still some holdouts. There's this guy named Gil Levin, who was one of the original investigators on this. He's still alive, and he's a smart guy. And he thinks that they found, Mar they found life on Mars with this experiment. And he refuses to be convinced otherwise. And he's a smart guy, and there's still a little controversy <laughs> about this. Is an indication of the fact that we don't completely know what we're doing when we're looking for life, which is kind of what's exciting about this. We're on the edge of our knowledge, and we're trying to investigate something that we can't completely grasp. So Mars is crazy cold. Yeah. Venus is crazy hot. We're the classic Goldilocks. Story. We exactly that's the word we use. We are the Goldilocks planet. You have you've uh, you've convergence of a great scientific mind right here. Way to go. We got the porridge that's the right temperature we, to eat. That's what we've Earth got. Earth is the right temperature yeah. to eat. Gobble gobble. <laughs> it is. No, yep. it really is. Beautiful planet. Don't tell Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't there, okay, listen, I'm just, my mind is sort this of blown is good. from this, this exoplanet. Exo, exo, exo exoplanets, yeah. It does seem like exo-gossip girl. Okay, but listen, so exoplanets, there must be, around those stars, a planet that's equidistant from do, do, I know, so that's it. So we have an instrument, and the, the James Webb Space Telescope's coming up. Kepler's out there now. But this telescope is going to look uh, with such sensitivity, how sensitive will it be, that people believe they'll be able to look through the atmosphere of a planet backlit by its star. Are you digging me? Sunlight from a star is going to go through this planet's atmosphere, and this telescope out in space will be able to detect what gases are in that atmosphere. And what everybody's all hot for is water vapor, and methane, the natural gas, the stuff in your, the blue flame of your stove. And oxygen. So, and oxygen. This would be, like, so cool. And so this, my claim, everybody, is these discoveries, uh, if we were able to discover life on Mars, on Europa, the moon of Jupiter, with twice as much seawater as the Earth, at and least. Twice as much seawater as what? As the Earth. All of Earth. Oh, really? Europa has. And maybe even a little more world. than twice as much. Great place to go look for. Oh, wow. Right. Does Kevin Costner know? <laughs> <laughs> He'd love it. <laughs> Don't tell him. Uh, so, so, anyway, what we want to do, it, my claim is if we were to find life, if we were to find life on one of these places, it would change this world. So, <laughs> let's say we were going to go do this. <laughs> David, uh, at uh, Dr. Funky Spoon. Man. Sir. Uh, what is your dream scenario? Finding life on Mars. What's the, how would you go about doing it? Well, I think that we're going about it the right way. I would love to uh, accelerate. If, if my dream scenario would be, you know, we double or triple the NASA budget for exploration and could do more. I think we know what to do. Um, thank you. By the way, let more me just say... More sandwiches. Who wants more sandwiches? Yes. For let, instance, me, let me just say, as CEO of the Planetary Society, I spend a lot of time on this stuff, and we've gotten the planetary science budget now up to about $1.7 which I know doesn't sound like much. <laughs> but everybody, the NASA budget is about 0.4% of the federal budget. Zero point right. four, right? Yeah. How do we get it to say 2%? two percent? Well, so in the Apollo days, it was ten times that. It was four percent of the federal budget. 
And so the planetary science line item within the NASA budget is less than 10% of the NASA budget, nine and plus percent. We do a lot. And so these were the extraordinary uh, discoveries are made. So your dream scenario yeah. starts yeah. with getting more money. Yeah. So, and then my, where do we go from my there? My dream scenario for Mars in specifically is, as I said, I think we're going to confirm that there's no life on Mars today. Um, but I want to be really sure before we go into other things there. So we got to check out this methane, figure out where it's coming from. If it's not life, it's telling us something really interesting about the geochemistry of Mars that we need to know. But my dream scenario for Mars, is, as, as Dave mentioned, the possibility of finding fossils. There should have been life on early Mars, given what we know. We'll either find fossil signs of life on Mars, or if we study Mars really carefully and understand those early environments and find that there was no life ever on Mars, that is also a really exciting thing to find. It tells us something about Earth, that there's something special we don't understand. Everything so, we learn about stuff in outer space informs uh, what we know about the Earth. And I claim that the more we know about our solar system and other solar systems with other stars and exoplanets, exoplanets. Joe, the more it informs... Uh, ourselves and uh, and where we all came from. This is the two deep questions. Are we alone in the universe? Just here's the big question, though. What would we do with life if we found it? And we're going to talk about that when Star Talk Live comes back right after this. <laughs> Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. We'd like to give a Patreon shout-out to the following Patreon patrons, Justin Adamson and Forrest Shepard. Thank you guys for your support, because without you, it'd be very difficult to do what we do. And if anyone else would like their very own Patreon shout-out, make sure that you go to patreon.com slash Radio and support us. <laughs> Star Talk Live here in Washington, D.C. I'm, uh, I'm here on the fabulous panel with Joe Firestone, Dr. Joe. David Grispoon, Dr. David Newman, Dude. Hari Kumbalu, and uh, our beloved, uh, uh, beloved Eugene Merman. So uh, we're having nothing but fun here on Star Talk this week. We're talking about life on other worlds. We're talking about space science superheroes. And this segued into this search for life. 
And now we're talking about how we exactly would actually exactly go looking for life. We have some assets there on Mars right now, right? We have the Curiosity rover. We have some, uh, a lot of assets in orbit around Mars. And the idea, let me just, let me just uh, start by going back to begin, to start with. Why are we all so hot to look for life on Mars? Why not life on Mercury or Venus? Close by, Mars is the best place to look for life. And then we get further out into the solar system, and then we go to these ocean worlds, which even look you know, better. But again, uh, Earth and Mars really are sister planets. From and it looks like Mars was once wet. wet and we and it's the, the most, most Earth-like environment on the surface of another planet that we know of. And in we have a lot system. of evidence that in the past it was much more Earth-like. So, uh, Do we have a sense of why it's uh, so sad there now? Yes. Uh, it doesn't, it's not big, as big as the Earth, so it cooled half, half off faster. So it uh, does not have the churning iron in the middle that we have on Earth, uh. creating a magnetic field, which makes the solar wind particles uh, go downhill when they get to the North and South Pole. But on Mars, apparently, uh, these same particles scrape the atmosphere off scraped it into space. So it lost its atmosphere. It ablated. We can Mars. see it. It's still going on today. Our MAVEN spacecraft is in orbit. Uh -huh. Check out, you know, you the, can see the we can see the ions ablating. It's only 1% atmosphere. Mars has a 1% compared to Earth. 100% here has 1% in its carbon dioxide. Yeah. So we, we see it's air. not protected by that it magnetic shield. Water. Is there We're still any trying way to, to figure out when back on? So hang on. So hang on. How are we going to get there, you guys? We, we just had a human's orbiting Mars workshop. Uh, the Planetary Society pitched a humans orbiting Mars uh, architecture, as it's called. And along with all the many things uh, NASA was going to do was develop these solar electric propulsion spacecraft. And how does that work? And the solar electric was going to go out to an asteroid, asteroid redirect retrieval mission, right? How does solar electric propulsion work, and how is it part of going to Mars? Right, so uh, when we go to deep space, get back Earth, Moon, cis-lunar, right? That's the next step. That's phase two. First on space station, low Earth orbit. This 2020s will be on our space launch system. That's our heavy lift launch. Space launch system is a massive word for big rocket. Big rocket. Big rocket. We haven't had one like this for 40 years. Move over Saturn V. It's more powerful. More powerful than a Saturn V. <laughs> and these rockets, these are made of your standard metals. Your tin, yes. your, your standard. That's standard. a great question, using, Joe. Yeah, using, aluminums. using aluminums, using no. additive manufacturing, though, to make it it's much more efficient. So we're using, you know, high-tech, but big rockets. But we're basically using Home Depot stuff. You know, we're using the screws and the... Yes, yeah, nice stuff. Though. Yeah, Some nice, high-end, high-end. Yeah, high yeah, end, yeah, uh, yeah. you got to go that Imagine the fanciest the Home Depot you can and double it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we get out to systems. So now we're in deep space, okay? We're in deep space. Not quite yet to Mars yet. That's phase three. But in phase two, we're into deep space and we have to demonstrate some technologies. Because you don't just get to Mars in one leap. No, but here, let me just so tie space, this in. space, electric propulsion. You want to know, in, in space propulsion. But here's the thing, electric. as Joe just said, Home Depot-style rockets, chemical rockets. Is what you're, you know what I mean, Joe? You got a liquid oxygen, you got some other fuel, you mix them with a fuse, and they burn like crazy, and they make their cool noise, and then they go into space. The shh. Shh, but it's usually... <laughs> really, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then what happens after that? Then you're okay. in space, and the... 
there's some reason you don't want to use chemical rockets anymore, and that is? Well, we need, we, we need breakthrough technologies as well. We need new technologies. So what we're investing in now, now we're getting to the moon, right? So your deep space, our top technologies we're investing in today but is isn't it that in space propulsion. It's hard to carry all that It's much hard fuel, to right? carry cargo and fuel. So, it's so got a gravity in space well. In space propulsion, so there's different ones. But so we're talking about solar electric propulsion. That can you know. move, move big cargo, <laughs> lots of mass, heavy mass, Goes slowly, but that's all right. We'll get there. So it moves a lot of cargo. You know, you're going and on a camping slowly. trip. We're rockets in space. Yeah, we're 17, Yeah, we're more than 17,500 you know miles per hour, but still slow for space. You know, so <laughs> for oh, so wait, for so space how fast speed. Is fast for space for us. Well, you know, light light speed is fast, right? Yes. Yeah, Sorry, but so, meaning Joe. Oh, when Joe, you say you, slow, you mean as fast as we can bake. Not yeah. like where slower. You... Let's say you know a little bit. You know a little so, slower because you want to get your people there as quickly as possible. So big rocket. Let's go fast. About eight months. You know that's 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 fast for us. Punch, Punch it. it. Eight month trip because we got to get boots on Mars. We get in orbit. But this in space propulsion, solar electric. That's a nice candidate. Constant acceleration. So just keep going all the way. You know, let's carry carry your groceries. You know, you know, carry the stuff you need with us. We we always bring a lot of stuff. Just, Does we, it arrive later after the people? Well, we can be popping them off, right? So yeah, we yeah, get so this what capability. We do, what we want to do is have stuff in place before humans show up. You want to land some tents. And fuel. Fuel depots, we said. Habitats. So that's what we're investing but I, in. I just want to talk for a second about the rocket equation. Who doesn't? Oh, I love the rocket yeah, equation. Yeah, so the, the big thing that makes a rocket go, and you've seen this, Joe, is the stuff coming out the back is going really fast. The classic, right? the classic orange in the child's drawing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. After burners, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The orange. So it's going really fast out the back, but uh, it takes, you need a lot of fuel, and you reach a point where you can't get the rocket going too much faster because you can't get the exhaust going that much faster. Yeah, right? That's called specific impulse. So yeah. that's what we call it in the yeah. rocket equation. So in solar electric propulsion, we're going to take a big tank of xenon. Is that right? For Xenon's example. Good. Yeah, so anyway, you get a. a a tank of this stuff liquefied, and you, you get it by getting the atmosphere, uh, getting a, a big tank of air on Earth cold, and the xenon separates out in a layer like a parfait, and then they uh, extract it, put it in a tank, and then they put it on this rocket. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Oh, yeah, it's, good. it's nothing it's better. Stuff. Well, you breathe it all the time in tiny amounts, and look, I've been doing it my whole life, and I'm fine. No, so... <laughs> Then you have solar panels. Is this right, David? Yes, and so they far, make so electricity. Good. They need electricity. Then we have power. a window screen looking thing, and it electrically attracts the xenon from its little tank and shoots it out the back at super ion fast propulsion. speeds, right? Yep. And that's really an ion that's drive, really ion like propulsion. in uh -huh. science fiction. But anyway, the solar electric propulsion idea is going to be used to go to Mars, right? Now, what Absolutely. are we going to do with we're that? We're counting on it. Solar electric propulsion, we're counting on that. Let me tell you a few other ones we're investing in right now. Deep space habitats. Incredible. You know, public-private, again, industries working with us. Deep space habs. We're so sending people. what we goes on in a deep space hab? Life support systems. You've got to figure out to get, you know, we're going way beyond low Earth orbit. So we need deep space habs. Beam, Bigelow's Beam, just it just inflated, expanded this week Beam on Space is, Station. Beam is an acronym. Yeah, for the Bigelow Expandable Module on so Space Station. Uh, like a nice one. Expandable Habitat. It's a big inflatable thing attached to the International Space. You got me doing it with the hands. But now. not too big. I mean, Space Station is big, a football field size, right? 
These are smaller halves. We need to test them out. Now, number one, radiation. What about radiation protection? What about radiation? I was, years it's ago, serious. people said if you tried Cosmic. to go from the Earth to Mars, the radiation would kill you. But well, now people have rethought it that, is, right? It is a problem. Uh, the radiation is, a, is one of the serious physical problems with sending people to Mars. And we know a lot more about this now because of the uh, Mars Science Laboratory, which is our uh, Curiosity rover, which is on Mars now doing wonderful things. But on the trip to Mars, this instrument called RAD, the Rad, Radiation Assessment radical. Detector. Radiation which, Assessment Detector. Yeah, and I'm actually a co-investigator on that instrument, so it's near and dear to my heart. I'm a co-I on the RAD team. And one of the things that was cool we were able to do with RAD, it was designed to measure the level of high-energy radiation on the surface of Mars, on the rover, which it's doing in a wonderful way. But we realized that we could also turn, turn it on before we got to Mars. It's the one instrument on the rover that we turned on while it was still in the spacecraft on the trip to Mars because it allowed us to measure the amount of radiation in interplanetary space and basically simulate what a human would experience in terms of radiation on the way to Mars. And so it's the first time we ever did that, and now we really know much more than we did before so this mission. will it kill you or so not? It will not, not kill you, but it will put you at greater risk of getting cancer, which could ultimately kill you. But so it's, not like, it's not like just going to Mars is going to fry you and you'll be dead when you get there. But it is, it will by a few percentage points. You'll die when you get back to Earth. Well, <laughs> you'll be, it's equivalent to, you know you, you know, you go to the doctor and you get like a, a, like a CAT scan. Yeah. Um, so, and that, that you know, if you, you do like that... you getting an eight-month CAT scan. If you do that a lot, you're slightly increasing your chances. So you don't yeah. want to do that all the time. Chances of getting cancer. So the your chance, life's... Yeah. So, yeah, for it's radiation. as if you did that once a week. And we look at, on your way to life, Mars. we look at total life dose, total life radiation dose, and we're going to protect the astronauts. That's what we're mapping. We're taking this data. Now we're looking at the Mars radiation environment, and then it's our job. How can we protect the people? How can we protect the spacecraft? You don't want to fry your instruments either. Plus, so we protect the people, and we have some interesting ways to do the, that. The kind of people that want to be astronauts... If you say, well, you got an extra 1% chance of getting cancer, I'm in, I'm going, yeah, man. Yeah. But you still want to protect them. Absolutely. So what are some yeah. of the ways that oh, we... Like, so, the, like, is it similar to like when you go to the dentist and they take pictures of your mouth, they put the thing over yes. your... Yes, there you go. It's that that's kind of exactly. thing. shielding. So exactly. high density shielding. is very good for shielding, especially for, you know, uh, galactic cosmic radiation that we're going to see on it Mars. created the Fantastic so, Four, for instance. Right. <laughs> But what, right. we're in the, what we're in this, there you go, superheroes. Um, so, but in the craft, um, water, because we like water to drink, it's pretty high density. Uh, yes, it actually I'm is a big pretty, fan. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good radiation shield. So it, there's interesting it, concepts in the vehicle, high it, density materials. We're going to take water anyhow. Be nice to kind of live in the water walls. That'll really help the astronauts. And does it harm and the, the, the water for it to be radiated for you to no, drink it? No, the water doesn't care at all. Water no, 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 no. Meaning the water doesn't care, but when you drink it, it doesn't matter to you. No, no, no. You're okay. That's you a great if, question. If, if, any, right if anything, if there were any little bugs in the water that you didn't want there to be, it would, you know, it would make kill it nice and clean. Yeah. So you'd have a jacket, you'd have a, a ball, a sphere, a shell of water around your space. Like a waterbed. Waterbed. Like a waterbed like, to space. It's a good concept. A great MTV cribs. When we get yeah. to Mars, um, you know, don't want to put it in the suit because you want to be mobile, lightweight. But uh, you know, lava tubes and there's a lot of you know, volcanic. So, so where are we going to hide? Where are we going to live? Yeah. yeah, underground caves, things like that. These are all actually amazing shields. So in hang on, what of, is there space underwear? Has that been discussed? Like, what are the sexual side effects of uh, <laughs> radiation and the 
I'm just getting to the question I'm sure you were all considering from the get-go. Like, what happens, you know, like, is there extra protection in those areas? How is junk? Scott Kelly's long-term, long-distance relationship? I'm sure he asked that question. Yes. There was no way he wasn't asking that question. I think, I think if you're going to have children... Do it before you go to Mars? Or at least put some in the freezer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> No, yeah. that's a good idea. Or they, have one before and then have one after and see if the second one's a mutant. Yeah. Oh. That's the scientific approach. I think here at AwesomeCon, uh, let me rephrase that, uh, a friendly amendment, if the second one has superpowers. Because oh, that's you what go. you get. You know, there if you're you a superhero, a lot of times you were irradiated. Maybe you were bitten by a radioactive spider. I don't so have to tell you. Maybe what's been irradiated is just your father's ding-dong. <laughs> I like how you use the scientific term for penis. I'm a gentleman. <laughs> so uh, just as far as I know, a Ding Dong is not an acronym. It's a... Uh, no, it's just uh, the thing it is. <laughs> so when, you know, when you say Ding Dong, I'm looking over at the uh, interpreter here and just wondering what... Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if you're a lady, you're Doodle. <laughs> Let her that was them. so worth it. Uh, it's good. That was good. She explained. Uh, where were so, we? Where were we? We I were in a we couple were places. We're on our way to Mars. <laughs> we're on our way to Mars. Sir. Now, you mentioned the radiation uh, detection instrument. What other instruments would you take? Why would you take them? And then, fundamentally, everybody, everybody, would you go to Mars if you had a chance to go to Mars? What instruments would you take? If I was going to Mars. Uh, yeah. Or what are you going to send? What are you going to do? I want to... The thing that I most want to do if I were going to go to Mars is look for fossils. Fossil so, life. These would be bacteria in I would a mat. Take, I would take rock hammers and drills and a microscope. microscope. A scanning electronic microscope if I can get away with making one small enough. And, to carry there. Because uh, right now, there. scanning electron microscopes are big... Uh, yeah, but, there, five, uh, but desks, one thing that NASA's NASA. really good at is making things small when Shrinking. we need to and put a little technology development into it. I would want, on my Mars laboratory with my astronauts there, I would want to be able to go out and drill and f find samples drill, in the most promising samples, sites. And I want to look for um, the isotopes, so I would want a, a really good uh, mass spectrometer to look for isotopic signs of life, for, for signs that life had altered the chemicals in the past, and I would really want to look actually for physical fossils and the right kinds of so, deposits. let me say, I, uh, my father was a rock hound. Like the rocks, every rock tells a story. My uncle was a geologist. And the way you're describing this to me, Dave, David, is um, geology tools. Yes. But what non-geologic instruments would you take? Oh, I thought, so, well, first, we're taking the people. That's what I'm about. We're taking the people and our rovers and machines, because that's how we work better. We will explore tens, a hundred times more of Mars if we get there and we're mobile and we're working in teams, people. I've heard this said rovers. that uh, what our best rovers do in a week, a human would do in less than five minutes, maybe even less than a minute. So it's order of yeah. magnitude. We're much more, you know, mobile and quicker, so we're, we're all in this together. And uh, what other our instruments? Our robots and our people. Our robots and people. We're to, yeah. It's well, just what instruments team. would you take? What other instruments? Well, actually, back to life support systems and bioregeneratives. I actually would uh, make sure I could uh, make oxygen, bring it, you yeah, know, you make oxygen. Yeah, you want start on that. And water, you know, <laughs> things like that. There's not enough there for us yet. So I'm kind of worried about staying alive. So I'd like some water, 
like some oxygen to well, breathe. Well, let's say you got that problem solved. you know, it's, it's funny the way you phrase plants. the question, non-geological instruments, because the word geological has geo, which means earth. So any of these instruments on Mars well, let me rephrase are it. areological, right? Uh, which Aries is Mars and anyways. I was um, gonna say so, that as well. Okay. So, <laughs> so if, we wanna, if we wanna understand the ancient story of Mars, then we're gonna apply a lot of the same tools we use to understand the ancient rocks and the ancient story of Earth. So, so we look at ancient sediments because they're what capture the atmosphere too, the bubbles, the okay, bubbles of air. Okay, but hang on a sec. The Viking missions had some chemistry thing that everybody got excited about, right? Uh, because that was wrong, though, right? Well, one guy says maybe not so wrong. Okay. So <laughs> one that guy. was a but that was a biology experiment. Yeah. That was uh, the spiritual equivalent of a of a petri dish. Sure. Right. So what is the spiritual equivalent of a? Let's say uh, Mark Watney has it all figured out. He can breathe and. Uh, grow potatoes and whatever he's going to do to take care of himself, how is he going to find or she going to find evidence of life on Mars? What instruments do we need? Okay, do the instruments, but let me tell you, I want to um, say, you know, who are the people? Because you asked about, is it the astrobiologist? I, I hope not. I hope it's not a single discipline of anyone because we need, you know, a whole new education. So this is, uh, you know, point you need know a little astrobiology, right? You want to know your geology? Mm, you know, I'm thinking an MD might be, you know, a little medical knowledge. So we really need cross-disciplinary trained folks. So I hope okay. it's not just an astrobiologist. But what you just you described is astrobiology, because astrobiology is a sort of polydiscipline. If you go to an astrobiology meeting, there's people talking about geology, people talking about astronomy, chemistry, but glaciology, right. but philosophy. Right. But so, not botany. So you do need a few different people. Well, a few different people. Too. But I'm all about so, steamed. I'm all I mean, about I, steamed. I, I, we need I agree the with STEM what you're fields, saying, but the artists have to be there, the designers, we're, we're all in. We need everyone. Yeah. Also yeah. psychics. Yes. <laughs> Psychics. Psych Comedians, you're going to need some laughs. We, we are going to, this is a psycho, you know, psychosocial. Yes. This is a tough trip. But if so we, we really think people. we're looking for extant life, then we want to bring, you know, Petri dishes and we want to try to culture stuff. That's what I'm now, saying. what are you going to use for your agar in your Petri dish? You don't know what Martian bugs like, so you got to get very clever there. And that's why I'm, I'm drawn more towards microscopes and things where you don't necessarily assume too much about what that stuff is you're doing chemically. You just want to see if you figure if there's a bug, you're going to recognize it. The geologists all want to bring back samples. They're crazy for yeah, it. If you take a geology course, you get a rock hammer, you go to the rocks and you knock them open and you bring them back to your dorm room and your friends think you're having issues. And uh, uh, they want to bring back a sample. It would be three steps. 2020 rover drills into the soil, picks them up. Mm -hmm. 2022 uh, flies them up into Martian orbit. Then 2024 or 5 uh, brings them back to the International Space Station and we open them up and take a meeting, right? Take a meeting. But is there any concern that we're going to bring back the Martian microbes of death? There's what are you going to so do much. about that? There's a slight concern. But I would say oh, very, slight very slight. slight. Very slight. Yeah. Um, uh, is it know, worth the risk, Mr. Bond? Yes, because uh, here's the yes. thing. You can't explore with zero risk. If we wanted to be perfectly safe, we would not, never bring back a rock from Mars. If you wanted to be perfectly safe, you would never leave the house in the morning, right? So uh, anything interesting involves a certain amount of risk. But uh, we're like not going to... befriending scorpions. Yeah, yeah exactly. There yeah. could be like nasty scorpions. things. But, but 
this is why we're doing the precursor missions, and this is also why we have protocols. If we do bring back a sample of Mars, there are requirements to keep it very carefully isolated. And, and like Area 51. Even, there's like Area 52, man. You haven't even heard of it. <laughs> it's, it's really secure. <laughs> uh, so you guys... I just want to thank you all. This has really been a cool discussion. Everybody had these terrific insights asking these fundamental questions about the nature of life on another world. How would we find it? What would it be like? How would it affect us? How are we going to get there? Uh, even how are we going to pay for it? We talked about all this. This has been like the greatest Star Talk Live ever. <laughs> Give everybody a hand. This has been a great panel. Joe, David, Deva, Hari. And Eugene, I've been Bill Nye, your host. This has been Star Talk Live. Thank you all Thank so you. much. Thank you. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.